we covered chapter 1. This week we're going to go through uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 14 only, because it's a long chapter. Uh, But I I will tell you this, that one of the purposes in doing this is that... uh, you uh, And I do ask you not to read ahead in your notes because you're going to get all confused if you do and you're not going to even hear what I say right now. And besides, we're going to do it line by line, okay? And so don't read ahead just to follow along when we get to that. But the, one of the reasons for studying the Word like we've been studying it last week and this week is that um, it, it teaches you a way you can study the Word at home to yourself. Uh, you can do what we did last week, which was mostly just look at the definitions of some of the Greek words, finding out exactly what uh, the Lord was saying there in First John. We're not going to be looking at a lot of definitions tonight, but we're going to be doing it a different way. Now, First John is a little bit uh, hard to understand. I know it gave me great uh, angst when I first started studying the Bible. First John, Hebrews, and Romans, I, was str- I struggled usually with those three books the most in the New Testament. And so uh, thank God for the Holy Ghost, though, who is our teacher. And he's sorting out some things for us. And I believe he's going to sort this out in a way for you tonight that maybe you haven't even thought of. And so uh, this is a good way. And another thing is we can become professional sermon listeners where we're just kind of lean back in our chair, just letting God, uh, letting pastor talk. And we're just listening, but we're not interacting with the Word of God. Uh, you, you need to bring your Bible to church. You need to bring your own Bible. I'll tell you, it doesn't work sharing a Bible and looking on with each other. Me and Pastor have tried that, especially go to Brother Copeland's or something. It's so crowded in that room. The chairs are so close together. We say, well, we'll just look on together. But you know, you don't get the same out of it. I've proved it. First of all, you can't just take your Bible and mark something in it. If somebody's looking on, you're trying to make sure they can see and all this. So bring your own Bible to church and study the Word of God and look into the Scriptures and write in the Word of God. Write in your Bible things that'll cause you to... It's amazing how many times I see some little word I've wrote and go, oh yeah, that revelation. or, And it reminds me of it then when I read the Bible. And then also... Um uh, in, and this is a to get us not being professional sermon listeners, but getting us involved in the Word of God. Because teaching this way, you have to get involved if you're going to get anything out of it. You're not going to be able to just sit back and relax tonight, in other words. And so we're really studying the Word of God tonight. You know, there's preaching and there's teaching. And even under the teaching, there is different kinds of teaching. And this is a different kind of teaching where we do a line by line, verse by verse teaching. Okay, so let's read in First uh, John uh, chapter 2, and first of all, let's read the first 14 verses. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments." He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we are we that are hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment. Commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in you and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goes, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Okay, praise God. All right. Now, first of all, we need to think about this. And could I get one of the ushers to bring me that stool that's in the uh, sound booth, please? Uh, Praise God. In uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, it talks about 
uh, and those of you that go, have gone to Bible college, you have heard some of what I'm going to say before, but not all. It says that, it says, Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So first of all, from that verse, we know we need to study. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to be able to do this better if I can sit down some. Uh, first of all, we need, you know we need to study. Praise God. Um, thank you, Jesus. And we know, and we know, we know that that's how we're going to come into the, uh, to the, the full knowledge of God because you, there's layers of revelation within the Word of God. Then we know we need to, from that verse, we need, that the Word has to be divided. And a lot of people just skim right over that and never think about how the Word has to be divided. But we know that the Word is divided between Old and New Covenant, Old and New Testament. A lot of people just think, well, you know, that's just the middle page in the Bible or something. And don't realize, no, that's the Old Covenant. That, and then this is the New Covenant. And if we don't divide it, if we just mix the two, if you just miss the old, mix the Old and New Testament, you're going to be in a big mess. You're going to have, you're going to be way wrong and messed up in your thinking. So we have to divide it that way. Then we know that we have to divide the Word of God according to spirit, soul, and body. In different verses, sometimes he's talking about our spirit. Sometimes he's talking about our soul. And sometimes he's talking about our body. And we have to find out which one he's talking about or we'll get messed up. And that's how a lot of people get into wrong doctrine is they just throw them all together when he talks about spirit, when he talks about soul, actually thinking that spirit and soul, some people actually think spirit and soul is the same thing. And uh, so, but there's a division there. And then we know according to the Word of God that the Bible's written to three, three, three groups of people. It's, it's written to Jews. It's written to Gentiles. That's the lost. That's the heathen that aren't, that's the, that's the lost that aren't Jews, basically. Everybody that's lost that's not a Jew is a Gentile. And then it's written to the church. And, and you gotta know who he's talking to in any given scripture. You gotta know that if he, is he talking to the Jews? Is he talking to the Gentiles? Or is he talking to the church? And, um, a lot of old, Old Testament, he was talking to the Jews. A lot of the gospels, because you realize in the Gospels, there was no church yet. So when Jesus came, unless he was speaking prophetically, and sometimes he did speak prophetically about the future, he was actually talking to Jews, not to us. So a lot of people get under a lot of condemnation for things he's talking about to Jews who are under the law and not talking to the church about. We are not under the law. Not in any way, form, or fashion. And so we divide the word that way. And then when we come to 1 John, we find another way. And are y'all following with me down on my notes here? We find another way that he even divides the church up into three parts. And we're going to see that later. Or actually, we already read it. We're going to see he divides it up into children, young men, and fathers. Now, this children, we'll get that in a minute. Let's go on. In 1 John Chapter 1 and verse 2, this is number 2, point 2. He also divides, he, in this chapter, he's talking, uh, there, here's what happened. Here's why he's talking to all these different groups. When, when in the early church, when John would preach, there would be all sorts of people there. It wasn't just like now. See, tonight I'm talking just to the church. But when John preached, there would be people there that were Jewish and had not received Christ. Then there would be Jewish believers who had received Christ. Then there would be Gentile believers, Gentiles who had received Christ. And then there would be heathens there that came. Maybe they were invited or whatever, but, or they would just come from curiosity. So, so there was actually four groups of people that he's having to sort out in these chapters. And what had happened is, is there was so these four people groups, there had become confusion among the people. And it, it, was, it was hard for them to sort out who was a true believer and who wasn't. Because everybody was saying, except maybe the, the, the heathen, the Gentiles that weren't saved, ever, the Jews were saying, we know God. And the Jewish believers were saying, we know God. And the Gentile believers were saying, 
We know God. And I don't know what the Gentiles, the Gentiles may have even been saying we know God, but we know the Gentiles' gods were pagan gods, heathen gods, uh, really devils, if you want to say. Buddha is a heathen pagan god. Uh, all the rest of them, I could name them all, but they're all heathen pagan gods. And so um, he was helping them. He had to sort, because you know, every, a lot of people say they're Christians, but he's helping them sort out who really is a Christian. Who really, And they, even if they didn't call it Christian, here he mostly says like believer or know God. So who really does know God? Who, who are these believers? And so... There was this confusion about who was who in the church. Well, we have that same confusion today. You know, you can look at Barnapoles and so forth, and it will say that like 80-something percent, maybe 80 percent, I think it is that, of all Americans say they are Christian. But then Brother Ross told us Sunday morning, I believe, or Sunday night, that only 2 percent of those that say they are Christian, or maybe it was pastor, is it 2 percent? That say, I think that one of somebody said that, that say they're a Christian actually attend church. So it's like, okay, there's a lot of people saying they're Christian, but who are really Christians? How can we tell? Because if you, people can say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I know God. Well, then First John begins to sort out for us how you can tell and who's who. Hallelujah. So we're going to find out who's who. Now look at point three. In, in chapter two, um, and we talked about this a little bit before, but hear me giving you some definitions. John, in the last part of uh, verse 2, right there, 13 and 14, where we're reading, verse 13, 14, he talked about, he talked to children. This is not talking about age. This is not talking about the little kids in the nursery. This is talking about those that are just born again. He calls them children. They're just barely born again. Just now born again. Then he talks about young men. And these are the ones that are beginning to mature and to grow. And then he talks about fathers. And these are the people that have been saved a long time. Now you've got to understand that 1 John was written anywhere from, of, uh, there's a difference agreement on it, but from 80 to 110 A.D. They say, so there were people, John was old by the time he wrote First John. Probably when Jesus was walking the earth, he was probably a young man in his 20s or something like that. But he's old now. And, and, and so the, he's, when he says fathers, he's talking about these guys that have been saved 50, 60, 70 years. They've been born again. They've been around a long time. That's who he's talking about. He calls them fathers. I'm about to enter, we're about to enter in, me and Pastor. I've been saved 46 years this, this year. Hallelujah. So he's not talking about to people that are necessarily uh, old in age, but those that have been saved a long time. So we're going to, we're going to explain that out. Now, uh, go to your next page, which I called handout number two. Even among, and in this book of first John, we have another division. We have a division between believers and non-believers. Believers in the Bible are, these are some of the things believers in the Bible are called. They're called the church. They're called born again. They're called the saved. And we could also, even though it doesn't say this in the Bible, under believers, we would also be able to put all Jews that are messianic. In other words, all Jews that have received Jesus Christ as their Savior would be under believers, okay? Then under non-believers, the Bible sometimes calls them heathen, Gentiles. It would also include Jews that are not born again. Jews that are not born again are unbelievers, okay? It would also include the unsaved. We call them sometimes the lost, and the Bible calls them the wicked. So just in case, this is to just clear up confusion about what when it says lost, when it says heathen, who's it talking about? It's talking about the lost. When it says Gentiles, it's talking about those that don't know Christ. Hallelujah. Those that don't know Christ. If it talks about the wicked. Now, we think wicked is axe murders. Mass axe murders. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that grandma across the street that just had never received Jesus as Savior, she's not wicked. But the Bible lumps everybody that hadn't received Jesus Christ as Savior and calls them wicked. Hallelujah. I know we don't differentiate that. So, so here we get down to, and this is what the next point is. How do you tell? How do you tell who's who? So in chapter one, I'm going to back up a little and look at verse six, just for clarity. And he says in verse six, and this is point number one, uh, 
that if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Let's just sum this up. Let's just say it. Believers in Jesus Christ do not walk in darkness. In other words, and he's not talking about that you messed up one time. He's talking about they don't live, reside, or habitually walk in darkness. So it doesn't matter what they say. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. If they habitually reside and live and enjoy darkness, they have not, they're not believers. Okay? Hallelujah. We're talking about habitually, without remorse. They don't, you know, you know, we're, you know what I'm saying. Praise God. You know, sometimes we have, uh, you can see it a lot of times in, uh, in political elections. You know, you, you aren't, I don't even want to point people out, but you just watch. You just watch for people. And if you want to know if they're telling the truth or if they're telling a lie, if they're habitually practicing sin and all you hear on the news is about their sin and their whatever, then th th they're not talking truth. You can say anything to get elected, can't you? Verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Now, walking in the light, verse 7, Walking in light results in fellowship. So here's two ways we can tell. Believers do not walk and habitually reside and live in darkness, and they do not, and, and, and believers, uh, <coughs> hallelujah, believers have fellowship with each other. They enjoy fellowship with the saints, with other believers. And you know, here's something else in verse seven that I didn't point out last week, but, as when we're walking with Jesus, that blood is continually cleansing us from sin. It's a continual cleansing that's going on. Verse 9, let's know verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, in verse 8, because he says this two different times, two different ways. In verse 8, personally, what I believe that I have understood from it is in verse 8, he's talking to non-believers. He's talking to the people there that say, I don't sin. What is sin? Sin is just relative. As long as I don't hurt anybody, I haven't sinned. I'm not sinning. It's not sin for me to live with this man. It's not sin for me to, you know, these are people that are saying I'm, they're not in sin, but the truth is they are. It's the Bible, and it says there, the truth is not in, in, in. Who is truth? Jesus. So I believe this is saying, you, those people, they may say they're a believer, but if they're denying that, that their, their sin is sin, Jesus isn't in them. Amen? Okay. Then in verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse from all unrighteousness. Now, verse 9 is a very familiar verse to us. So if we can apply this verse two ways. If we apply this verse to sinners... Then what we're saying that we're not, then God couldn't be saying to sinners, sinner, you must confess all your sins. A sinner couldn't confess all their sins if they wanted to. They can't remember all of them. They've committed too many today to remember just today. But what a sinner does have to do before they can receive Jesus, it's not enough to just say, uh, yeah, Jesus, that's fine. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. You say I'll have a better life. That sounds, no. You have to know you're a sinner. The Bible says you have to know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You have to know you're a sinner. You have to, you have to acknowledge you're a sinner. You may not have to say every sin, but you have to acknowledge I've got a need for God. I, I have not lived a right life. Hallelujah. And they may not have to say I'm a sinner, but they do have to realize that they have, they need, they need a savior. Okay, so then we could apply this verse to believers. I believe it's probably more intended to be used for believers. And because in this verse, the word sin is actually miss the mark. That's what the sin is. You understand sinners don't just miss the mark. Sinners have iniquity on the inside of them. They got sin in the inner man. They got iniquity. 
And that's why for Isaiah 53, he, he, uh, he bore our iniquities. Hallelujah. He, that what it took for us to become born again. And so, uh, but this is really the word sin means miss the mark. And when we apply this verse to believers, this is talking about not, this is talking about our mess ups, our missing the mark. Uh, and all he, he says that when you miss the mark, when you mess up, if you will confess your sin, if you will confess your sin, He will forgive your sin and He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And, and that cleansing will not, is not in our spirit. It's in our soul. Our spirit, we know, is born again. It's a new creation and that it does not sin. Your spirit does not sin. You've been sealed by the Holy Ghost. And sin doesn't even, when you commit sin, it doesn't even penetrate your spirit. However, what it does do is get in your soul and it gets your soul all messed up. And you know what? It also, the Bible says the wages of sin is death and it puts you on the road to quick and long, a quick short life. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can see Jesus faster getting in sin. If you want to be satisfied with long life, stay out of sin because you'll get there fast if you're in sin. And so, uh, if you sin and mess up, miss the mark, get into, get involved in sin. Oh, say, okay. So, <clears throat> When we confess, it cleanses everything out of our soul. It cleanses the condemnation. You can't get anywhere with condemnation. You know? It cleanses the... Uh, I know when I mess up and miss the mark, know I've grieved the Holy Spirit. Maybe I said something I knew I shouldn't have said. Or maybe I just said something without thinking. Didn't mean to say it. It just popped out. And you know, I know when I have messed up and I just like, it grieves me. It, it, it warts on me. I'm just like, even after I've repented, I'm like, oh God, I'm so sorry. And I hope that didn't hurt them. And I hope, oh God, you know, I don't want to hurt it. You know, and I, I go through that. Well, we have to have a cleansing in our soul to get past that so we can even go on with God. Okay. And then, um, also, you know, uh, the Bible says in First John, we're not going to go there tonight, but over a few more chapters, it says, uh, it says, if, if, if you, um, um, if, if your heart condemns you not, then have you confidence toward God. If your heart's condemning you, you're not having confidence in your prayers. You don't have confidence in your faith. And so in other words, you're stuck. You're not going to grow. You're not going to, you're not going to do exploits. You're not going to even be bold with witnessing. Why? Because you're un, the, your heart is, uh, con condemning you. And so, um, and you don't have confidence for God. So this, this confession of sin and this washing that God does by the blood of Jesus, it gets all of that out of our soul so we can go on with our life. We can go on with our Christian walk. Amen. Verse 10 and number 5 on your sheet, it says, uh, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, I believe in this verse he's talking to believers instead of unbelievers. If a believer refuses to admit they've sinned, if they, if the Holy Ghost convicts them and they don't confess their sin, or maybe sometimes we just try, we just ignore stuff. We don't want to deal with stuff. A lot of times we just want, don't want to admit stuff because we know it means maybe dealing with stuff and going back and repairing stuff. If we refuse to admit, then he says, what does he say here? He doesn't say the truth is not in us. He says, the word is not in us. And so in other words, we're not walking in the Word as believers if we are not quick to acknowledge and repent of sin. We've got the Holy Ghost. We can't kid ourselves. And you know, we've all tried to do it. All of us have. We've, we've tried to say, well, yeah, but that'd be okay because you know this and, and you know, and we've tried to justify sin. We tried to sweep things under the rug. We try to do all sorts of things. Haven't you ever, ever, have you ever tried to get out of repenting? Especially when repenting meant you had to go to somebody else and repent too. Oh, we've tried. I have waller tailed all over trying to get out of it. Oh, you know. And you know, finally, I just like, I got to get out of this misery. I just got to go do it. But you know, if the word's in us, we're going to, we're going to make it right. But if the word's not in us, we won't, we won't necessarily. Now to go, turn to handout number three, go to chapter two. He starts off chapter two, John does, and he says, my little children. My little children. Now here he's, he's talking to everybody. He's talking to all those that are born again. Doesn't matter who, young, old, all of them, 
long time, short time. And you got to understand, to John, they all were children because nobody had been around as long as him. He was there for, he says over and over, there from the beginning, there from the beginning. He walked with Jesus. He had been there. There might have been some others here still that had walked with Jesus. But to him, everybody else was a spiritual babe compared to him. And so he calls them his little children. And he says this, he says, I, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Now, he writes these things to us to help us not sin. Just because we know and a lot of the church doesn't know this. Just because we know that when we mess up, our spirit didn't sin. Just because we know that, that we're forgiven past, present, and future. Just because that we know that, uh, uh, that sin didn't penetrate our spirit does not give us a license to sin. Hallelujah. And John says, I'm writing these things to you that you sin not. But, he said in verse 1, and if any, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now that word advocate is interesting because in the Greek, it's parakleton. How, who, how, who have you ever heard called the paraclete before? Now the Holy Spirit. That's, a, that's the Greek word for Holy Spirit. And when you look this up in Strong's, it actually means intercessor comforter. You have, a, you, have a, you have an intercessor. You have a comforter. I want you to notice that he, when you sin all you, and you confess your sin, you, you, all you need is this cleansing, this comforting, this restoration. You don't need a Savior again. You don't need a Savior. You don't need Jesus to shed His blood again. You don't need to get saved again. You need the comforter. Hallelujah to assure you your sins are forgiven and to bring you back into full restoration. Verse 2, And He, Jesus Christ, is the propitiation for our sins. I've never known what this word propitiation means, to tell you the truth. And I looked it up, and you know I couldn't even find out what it meant in Strong's because it didn't even say. So I went to Webster's Dictionary, and it said, Atoning Sacrifice. For He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. It also in Strong's said, in, uh, not in Strong's, but in, uh, yeah, in Strong's, this is what it said. That's why I couldn't find out what it meant. It said expiator. I didn't know what an expiator was, so I was still lost. So I went to Webster's and it said to put an end to past, present, and future. So the Bible says that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice that put an end to our sin, past, present, and future, and not only for us, but the whole world. And so it's a completed work. Technically, technically, you're already forgiven for any sin you might forget, you might commit in the future. It's already been atoned for the sacrifice has already been paid. And so, like I said, we don't come back because we need a spiritual, boy, God, I got to get saved again. We come back because we, we are soul, to get our soul cleansed. Amen. Verse 3, it says, And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Now he's talking about how can I know if I really know Him? Do you have a desire to keep His commandments? Because sinners don't have any desire to keep His commandments. Amen? You may mess up. You may even sin in a, a horrible way. But really and truly, all said and done, immediately when it's over, you, you wish you hadn't. You wish, you know, uh, you wish you hadn't. You just, you have such, you desire that you would have done something different. You have a desire. If you're a true born again person, you have a desire inside you to please Him. You may fail, but you have that desire. When there's no desire to please God, when you're not thinking about whether you keep His commandments or not, that means you're not a believer. You need Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, he is a liar. See, we like to, we like to say, yeah, but you know, but if you, if you don't keep his commandments and there's no desire to keep them and it doesn't bother you not to keep them, then you're a liar. You don't know him and the truth is not in you. That truth, the truth. Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. Jesus isn't in you. Truth is not in you. Hallelujah. Verse 5. 
going to the next page. We're moving right along, aren't we? Y'all getting something? Are you learning? Amen. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Now, uh, this is really exciting because you probably never think to break this down this way. But he's moving up a whole nother level from just keeping his commandments. It's one thing to keep his commandments. It's another thing to keep his word. Not talking about the same thing. You know, you can keep the commandments by just keeping the Ten Commandments. And you know, Nicodemus said he had done that, didn't he? And Jesus said, yeah, but you must be born again. So it's just one thing to keep his commandments. And it's another thing to keep his word, which would include the teachings of Jesus. It would include the commandments. It would include all the communication that the word, the divine expression, it really literally means to keep the divine expression. That means you don't just keep the literal law, but you keep even the intents of the heart that Jesus had. For instance, tithing is not a part of the Ten Commandments. But, when, but because His Word is in us, we want to keep the whole Word. We want to, you know, walking in love is not in the Ten Commandments, but we have this desire to, to keep the whole Word, even the intent of the Word, even the, the motive and the deepest part of the Word. And He said that when you do that, He didn't just say, He, he didn't just say that you know Him. He said, the love of, when you get to the place where you do this, where you keep his word, the love of God is perfected in you. You've taken another whole step when you start keeping his word. And, uh, and also then it goes on to say, if you look there at the bottom of verse five, he said, hereby know that we, that we are in him. Now, before he said, he is in you, you know, he's in you. You know you know Him. But now it's another whole place. It's now He's not just in you. There's a whole lot of people that are, that He's in them because they got born again, but they hadn't gone over, they hadn't entered into Him. But when the Bible says in John, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, there's a difference between just Him being in you and you abiding in Him, abiding in His Word. Hallelujah. So this is, a, another, this is another place as believers that we want to enter into and go to. Verse 6, He says, He that saith he abideth in Him, that, hallelujah, ought himself also to walk even as He walked. If you're going to say, I abide in Him, I abide in His Word, then you need to walk. I need to walk like Jesus walked. And that means I'm, I'm, I'm a, a hallelujah. I'm not, I'm just, I've gone way beyond just keeping the Ten Commandments. Amen. Then, uh, verse seven, we're going to see, and I put this, notice how I put this. Here's another division. Remember, rightly dividing the word. In verse seven, he's going to start talking about two things. Old commandment, new commandment. And so we're going to have to divide here. Verse 7, brethren, I write no new commandment unto you. He says, I'm not writing a new commandment, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. So back from the very beginning, this would include the old covenant. And, would, and, and from the beginning, I believe he's talking about from uh, when Jesus, at the time Jesus was walking the earth, the things that Jesus taught. He says that's an old commandment. But did you know that in John, then in verse 8, he says, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Now this new commandment, what he's saying is, you couldn't even understand the new commandment until the darkness was passed and the light shineth. Now, when did the darkness pass? Come on, don't be afraid. Myron. Amen. When the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, when He died on the cross and rose again, that's when the darkness passed. He said, there's no need in even giving you a new commandment until the darkness passed and the true light shined. That's when it started to happen. Because if He'd have given them the new commandment, they couldn't have done it anyway. Because the new commandment is in John 13, 34. B, 
big John. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you, red letter, Jesus talking, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. There is no way a man without his new creation spirit can ever love one another as Jesus, as Jesus loved, as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? How did he love us? How did he love us? I mean, I, that's all true. Everything y'all are saying is true, but it's not the word I'm looking for. Amen. Unconditionally. And he said, now, hey, the, the darkness is gone. The light comes. Now. Hallelujah. We're called, the, we're called to a new commandment. And this new commandment that we love one another as he's loved us. You know what? It swallows up all the rest. You don't even have to think about the rest. You don't ever have to go down the Ten Commandments because you won't do it if you're walking in love. Amen? You can just forget about it. It's just, it swallows them up all. It, it just, hallelujah. You won't commit adultery if you're walking in love. Hallelujah. You won't lie. You won't steal. You won't covet your neighbor's wife. You won't covet your neighbor's goat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. When you're walking in love, loving your brother as he has loved us. And so none of this can happen until, none of this could have happened until the new birth. Verse 9, it says, He that saith he is in the light. Now here we have another division in the Word of God. This division is between light and darkness. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even to now. So you see over there, I have light, darkness, and under that, hate brother. Anybody that hates brother is walking in darkness. Hallelujah. Walking in darkness. You're letting darkness enter in. You're letting yourself get out into darkness if you start hating people. I don't care what they did to you. Hallelujah. Because when you walk in light, verse 10 says, He that loveth his brother abideth in light. When you abide in, when you're abiding in light, you love your brother. And I like this part: there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Uh, remember when uh, the Bible says Satan could find no nothing in Jesus. There's nothing that the devil can do to make you stumble when you're walking in love and walking in light. He cannot throw anything in your path when you're walking here. Amen. Verse eleven: But he that hateth his brother is in darkness. And walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. When you hate your brother in Christ, you're walking in darkness. You're going to be blind. You're going to be blind to the things of God. You're going to be without direction. You're not going to. You're not going to understand. You. You. All of the, the 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 light that we have in the Holy Ghost, all of the revelation that we have in the Holy Ghost, you're going to be without it because you're walking in darkness because you're hating somebody. You know, it's just not worth it, is it? It's just not worth it. Hallelujah. Y'all can go to page five. Is that what we're on? Did we go that fast? Man, I tell you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you know, it's, uh, I've actually watched some of these things happen throughout the years where people get over in strife, getting over in bitter and hating someone. I've so watched it happen through that people that get over and they're hating the pastor. They, the pastor did them wrong. They hating the pastor and they're causing strife and they're in strife and they're, oh, I'm telling you, they, and then they talk about the pastor to their kids. It's so sad. And I've watched it over and over. I know we, it happened to us once in Seminole where that happened and Lord, that woman has buried two husbands and I don't know. It's just, you get over in darkness and things don't, things quit, not, they don't work right. And you know, there's just no limit to what the devil will do to you. And so we have to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, we can't do it in ourselves. Walk. We can't walk this walk and walk in love. We can't love our enemy and, and, and pray for those that despitefully use us and bless them that curse us, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we have His power on the inside of us and we can call on Him. We can forgive. It, it may feel like I can never forgive this, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can forgive. 
And it's really just a matter of going to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to help me forgive this person. And then you just by act of faith say, I forgive them. I release them. I let them go. I bless them, Lord. And Lord, I don't feel it right now. You know, you can in, in your mind, you can be having thoughts of stoning them. You can be having all sorts of thoughts in your mind, but at the same time, by faith, just like you would receive healing and say, I don't feel it in my body, but by faith, I know I'm healed. You can say, by faith, I forgive. And you know, by faith, you've forgiven, your feelings will eventually line up. And eventually, you'll quit hating them. You, might, you won't like them yet, but you'll hate them. you won't hate them. And then you'll get to the point uh, where you don't feel anything. You just don't feel, you know, and then it'll even get to the point where, uh, you know, you don't, I know I've been there where I was at the point first, I didn't feel anything. I think that's really what comes first. And then I was at to the point where I didn't hate them, but I sure didn't like meeting them in a restaurant. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I would, oh my Lord, so-and-so's here. That's how I'd feel. Don't want to see her, don't want to talk to her. That's how my feelings would be. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, I knew I'd forgiven and I can speak. I can say, hello, how are you? You know, but I can't, now conversation. But then you just keep going with God and walking by faith. And you get to the point where you could sit down and talk about a lot of stuff with them. You might not want to invite them over to dinner yet. But I tell you, this woman that did us wrong in Seminole, I, you know, if she came through Tuscaloosa and called us for some odd reason and just called us, wouldn't bother me a bit to meet her at IHOP and just go and fellowship with her. I wouldn't have any need in my heart to say, you know you did us wrong, don't you? I don't know if she even knows she did us wrong. I don't know if she even knows how much darkness she's walked in because of, cause you know, you can't, you can't hurt the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and hinder its growth and the blessing, hinder, try to hinder. Did you know you are, you are, you're, 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 you're fellowshipping with the devil when that's what the devil intends to do. When you start trying to hurt a group of people, hurt a church, cause strife, wanting that church to break up, rejoicing when people leave, hallelujah. You know, you feel sorry for people that start doing that because you know what's coming down the road. Amen. So if you've ever done that, you know, I'd encourage you to repent. I don't think any of you probably ever have, but if you've ever brought harm to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I know when we started pastoring, you know, there was, we had a pastor when we came out from among the Baptists. Of course, the Baptists don't even, I, mean, I didn't even know, who, you just barely know their name in our, the, our church. You never, there was no fellowship that I know of with the pastor. Well, then we came out among the Assembly of God. And, you know, this pastor that we had in the Assembly of God, man, he was, he wasn't a great teacher, but he was a pastor. He loved his people and he was always showing up their house, conveniently just at mealtime also. And so, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, so he was at our house twice a week, probably. And he was a good pastor. He's a good man. But, you know, there was times I got frustrated with him and I got upset with him. And, you know, when we got to pastoring, I got to repenting. Hallelujah. I said, hey, I don't want to reap those seeds. And so I got to repenting about Brother Barker. Hallelujah. He was a good man. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, verse 12. Got to get finished here. <clears throat> I write unto you, little children. Now, we'll stop a minute. See on verse 12 how I put three columns. I was so trying to figure out how to teach this that I was asking the Holy Spirit because last week after Tuesday, after Wednesday night, I was saying like, Lord, how am I going to teach all this? It is so jumbled up. And he said, make three columns. And title one little children, one young men, and one fathers. And so he's writing unto these three groups of people. In verse 12, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven. So that's what he says about the little children, okay? This is young ones in Christ, newly born again or hadn't been born again very long. He has forgiven, your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. 
He says they've known him. We put that in the column. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. That's in their column. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. Verse 14, I've written unto you fathers because you have known him. That is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Okay. So if you get these into columns, you begin to see what he's saying to all, all the three groups. To the little children, he says about them two things. Your sins are forgiven you and you've known the Father. You know, when you're newly born again and you don't have your mind renewed and you hadn't learned to walk by faith and you haven't learned how to, to, to deal with the devil, you know, really somebody else has to do it for you. Somebody else has to help you deal with the devil. Somebody else has to help you, uh, even sometimes help you confess your sin, help you that you don't really know how to do anything. So he could only put two things to their account is your sins are forgiven and you know the Father. Now you've known the Father. You know, you have two things going for you right now, little children, but they need somebody. I know when we first got filled with the Spirit, of course, I'd been a Christian a long time, but I hadn't grown any. And so, you know, I needed my grandmother for everything. I needed her. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything without her, spiritually I'm talking about. I could function other ways, but I couldn't do anything. You know, Colin was sick all the time. She told me what to do. She said, get a bottle of oil. Go anoint him with oil. Amen. She, uh, she, I couldn't, uh, we had this book called Pigs in the Parlor. It was about deliverance, you know, about demons. I couldn't keep it at my house. I was so young in the Lord and it scared me so bad that I had to store the book at her house. And I remember one time we were still young in this. We was driving from Seminole to Seagraves and Granny Hicksie and Winnie, Winnie was another spirit-filled lady, and Winnie were in the front seat and I was in the back seat and they were talking about going to Israel. And I said, Granny, you can't go to Israel. I need you. I couldn't let her leave me for a week, folks. I needed her. I was a young, I was a little children. Amen. And then, you know, and you know, that was, Granny Hicksie loved that. She thrived on that. But then we started to grow. And you know what? We outgrew Granny Hicksie. She couldn't deal with that very well. You know, parents a lot of times can't deal that, with that. But we need to be able to. Okay, the young men, he said some things about them. He said, you, you overcome the wicked one. You're strong. You have the Word of God abiding in you. You overcome the wicked one. He said that twice. So these young men, they had started to mature. They were getting mature in the faith. They were learning to walk by faith. They knew how to deal with the devil. Most of the church isn't even that young. That Most of the church, even though they've been born again 40 years, still falls under little children. But these young men, they had begun to mature and grow and understand the Word. He said, the Word's abiding in you. You have an understanding where the Word's concerned. And you're overcoming the devil. Hallelujah. You know you're starting to mature when you get where you can overcome the devil without somebody helping you overcome the devil. Maybe not all the time. You might need help occasionally. But, you know, we all do. I have a friend that I call on to help me pray on some things. But, you know, most of the time, I can get most of it done not all of it, but I can get most of it done by myself because I've begun to mature. I'm, I'm maturing. I'm in process, and I've got where I can overcome the devil. And you know, I even have pigs in the parlor in my house now, and it doesn't bother me. Hallelujah. Amen. And then he writes unto fathers, and I wanted you to notice that three times there's only one thing he can say about them. You've known him. That's from the beginning. You've known him. You've known him. That was from the beginning. You know, when believers get to be older and they've been saved 50 and 60 years, you know what they tend to start doing? They tend to start coasting. And all they can say about themselves is, well, I, I, I knew him. They don't even have a today testimony a lot of times. I'm speaking from experience. I know this. We were, we were, uh, uh, in fellowship with a man and he, when he gave a testimony, he always gave a testimony that was 15 years old. 
And I would think, I wish you had a testimony of today. What God was doing in your life today. What God was saying today. I wish you had a testimony. I wish you weren't living in the past. I wish you were still overcoming the wicked one. Abiding in His Word. I wish you were still strong, but you're like an old horse that's been put out to pasture. And you're ready for the glue factory. A lot of times Christians get that way when they've been around a long time. But we're supposed to be fruitful. In fact, I want you to go to Psalm 92, verse 14. I wrote it down there, but let's turn over there. And this is my confession. I confess this often. Psalm 92, 14. Listen, I'm telling you, my kids think they're going to put me out to pasture. I don't think they think that. But if they did think that, listen, they're going to be dealing with mama for a long time. I'm going to be dancing on the devil's head and, and whooping it up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Probably, maybe embarrass them a little. Verse 14. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be Fat and flourishing. One version, I like it better, says fresh. I don't like to say I'm fat and flourishing. I want to say, one version says fresh and flourishing. Would y'all prefer that? I'm going to be fresh and flourishing in the things of God at in old age. Hallelujah. Bearing fruit when you're old. Driving my car around and bearing fruit when I'm old. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! Amen. How many of you are going to go there with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to just have known Him. I want to be in this middle column. I want to still be young and fresh and flourishing when I'm old. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. You get something out of that. I tell you what, now we divided the word of truth tonight. We divided it every which way you can. Hallelujah. I don't know when we're going to get back to the rest of chapter 2, but we'll do it. We'll finish it. Amen. We'll keep going, studying out the word of God, studying to show ourselves approved. You know, looking up the scriptures, dwelling on the scripture. Feeding on the scriptures, looking for the deeper truths. Not just, you know, sometimes you just read through it and you don't get those deeper things. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Pastor, you want to come take the holy...